present to you. I got a lint something that's, or maybe that's one of those, what do they call the, the, how did you know floaters except elderly people know that there's floaters and <laughs> that could be my moment. So anyway, um, it's a great, it's a great Sunday. I, I love that it's uh, New Year's Day, 2023, and it's kind of a normal day. Somebody uh, wrote me yesterday and said, um, do you realize that the, for the, this only happens every thousand years, but if you were to take your um, the year of your birth and add the number of years to uh, however, however old you are to that number, this is the first time that every single human on planet Earth will see that those numbers add up to 2022. So I don't know if you knew that, but I don't even understand the math behind it, and some of you are getting busy. Uh, we have a couple of mathematicians in here that are doing it in their head, lucky. Um, but anyway, so I shouldn't have said that because some of you are going to miss everything else I have to say. You're like, wait, the year of my birth, 19-whatever, and add the years of my life, and it comes to 2022. How could that be for every single human? I'll let you noodle on that a little bit. Uh, what was that? Wow, there's always a smart aleck in every <laughs> gathering. You are so right. And last night, I am pacing the floor trying to figure out the math. And Debbie goes, really? <laughs> Honey, it's every year. It's uh, so anyway, some of you are not taking my word for it. It really is true. But anyway, okay. I want to talk, maybe this is an example of that. I want to talk about being your best self as we look at a new year. We've got 365 of these called days in the year that stretches in front of us. What does it take to become your best self? Now, life coaches are a, 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 they're a population of people who are uh, focused. They, in fact, have a career of, uh, of writing books almost in some cases daily blogs, and they are um, capable of filling stadium-sized gatherings of people who will listen to them, not for an hour like a message or a, a service time we sometimes refer to, but they will listen all day long in rapt attention to a life coach who is trying to help them learn the best priorities to be their best self. Tony Robbins is a name that comes to mind. You, uh, I won't ask you to show me your hands, but some have told me they've gone to, when he comes to Portland and the Moda Center and big places like that, he boasts head-turning coaching credentials that have compelled him, uh, really uh, propelled him into international celebrity as the number one personal and professional coach in the world. Um, <clears throat> by the way, all that I just said about him is found on his website. So uh, um, just full disclosure. Um, I describe life coaching uh, for a couple of reasons. The first is this, the expression, be your best self. 
How many use that or have heard somebody use that around them? How many have teenagers, young adults? You hear it all the time. I'm just being my best self as they pursue early, uh, the early stages of adult life. I'm trying to be my best self. And it isn't just a best-selling book by uh, Mike Bayer, who is a best-selling author, who wrote a book, Be Your Best Self. Um, it's an ambitious description of a lot of people's pursuit today. How can I be my best self? And I won't break it down for you because you're already doing that. But it's not just um, spiritually. We gather on a Sunday to talk about that specifically. It might be financially. It might be uh, physically. It might be relationally. It might be vocationally. It might actually be uh, educationally. I don't just want to fritter away the time. Um, somebody, uh, we were watching the bowl games yesterday. Were those ever epic, right? The two fi- uh, semifinal games. And, um, and uh, we were with somebody watching it, and she said, you know, she's young, and she remembers college uh, well. It's not that long ago. And she says, man, I miss that. It makes me want to re-enroll and go back. And, and I think part of that is it's a party. It's a, it's, college is a, uh, I probably shouldn't reveal this with a lot of college students and uh, college-bound people, but it's, um, uh, not all that, yeah, not all that happens in college is academic. Let's just leave it at that, okay? And um, so if your parents say, hey, what am I spending all this money on? Um, you better have a good answer, okay? That's all I'm saying for, for right now. But there's a second reason for why life coaching is a big deal. It's the start of a new year. This, this message title jumped out and grabbed me. It was like, well, everybody there wants a new year message. We talk about New Year's resolutions. It's normal chatter this time of year. And people are interested in becoming, in the new year, a new you or some form of that. Okay, enough on that. Like for me, I'm just, just to put it out there, make sure you know this isn't just about you. It's about things I'm thinking. I'm, I'm done with Denali. I'm going after Everest now, okay? So I've climbed Denali enough. I'm going to take my game up. And you're supposed to laugh hysterically right now. I've never even climbed to the top of Mount Hood, okay? Bull Mountain is my top at this point. You get what I'm saying. My point is I want to get better. I want to be gooder at what I do. And maybe you think the same way. I hope you do. Um, So in that spirit, my first message of 23 is to offer you some... uh, some of my own, I guess I would call it, life coaching. And uh, I give it to you in the spirit uh, that's deep in my heart. Uh, I give it to you as your pastor who's committed to you and, and have been for a very long time to see God do great things in you. And he's called me to have a little part in that all these years. 
Um, so let me begin with a question. You all have note pages. This is a good question. I stumbled upon it um, and found it to be embedded in a song by a San Diego uh, Christian alternative group known as Switchfoot. Anybody heard the name? Okay. <clears throat> Some of you have because they've been around a long time, actually 27 years, <clears throat> uh, Switchfoot. And these guys, as you would expect from San Diego, they're surfers. They know how to surf, and they surfed a lot. The leader of the band, John Foreman, explains, in fact, their name with his words. We all love to surf and have been on boards all our lives. In surfing, to switch your feet, yet you with me? To switch your feet means to take a new stance and face the opposite direction. That's a cool explanation of something that was so core to who they are, they actually called themselves switch foot. Pretty good description of the Christian life, too. People moving in a certain direction, to use kind of grim words in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our trespasses in sin. That's moving in a bad direction. And 100% of all humanity started out that way. You say, well, no, no, I was, I was a good kid. No, you weren't. Okay, your soul was bad. You inherited this genetic problem called sin. And you were heading in a bad direction. And you met Jesus. And he poured out his grace and the benefit of his death, burial, and resurrection on your account. And he caused not only your direction to change, but everything about you began a new trajectory. From dead to alive, right? From darkness to life. Let me say it again. From the devil to the savior of your soul, Jesus. That's a big deal. Amen. That's switch foot, y'all. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, in this switch foot song, the song title is this is your life. They ask a very timeless question. And here's the question. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? And they repeat it through the song. Are you who you want to be? If your answer is this morning, not exactly, Pastor, or Actually, truth be told, not at all. Then the rest of what I have to share with you will help you switch feet. It really will. In order for you in this new year to see results that approach the description, a new you. Imagine that, the end of 2023, people look at you and go, dude, that's Southern Cal for, hey, guy right? Dude, wow. Remember what Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you? They say, for sure, for sure, dude, you're different. Tell me why, right? That's what I'm after. That's what I hope for in your life and in mine. So let me give you an assumption that I make every Sunday I stand up here and preach. 
And this is my assumption. You did not come here on January 1st of 23 or any other Sunday to hear me. Um, you came to hear me talk about him. Right? That's, there's, n- there's nothing I got to say that's going to really change your life. You, you'll, you, you're, and if you're here for that, you're going to be, I'll just say it, you'll be disappointed. Because you're expecting more out of me than I can produce. Okay, that's like squeezing sap from a hoe handle. There ain't no sap, all right? So you'll be disappointed in the outcome of doing that because I don't change lives. He does. He does. And, and I, I have only interesting things to say because I work really hard at how I say them. But his are transformative. They're impactful. Not just interesting like, hey, man, maybe I'll write that on a card somewhere or something. No, no. This is, I can't stop thinking about what he just said. The Bible. God. The Holy Spirit. One example of his impact, and it's one of endless numbers, is something he said in the very first chapter. It was the first time he said it. Two words is all it took to totally, watch me again, switch feet. Two words, follow me. Jesus said it in John chapter 1, and he said it in verse 43, and that was the first of 87 times he said, follow me. And you're probably wondering, how many chapters are there in the four gospels? Let me tell you. Not surprising, 89 chapters. So it breaks down to roughly one time in every chapter in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus said as though he, he needed to remind us, follow me. Yeah, I've taught you really great things. I've taught you about forgiveness. I've talked talk to you about greed. I've talked to you about lust. I've talked to you about, now follow me. And you'll have the very best takeaway possible. Uh, Let me be very clear as we get into God's word now. Um, Jesus Christ is not a life coach. Let me just clarify that. To to allow us for a moment to think, hey, you know, let's call Jesus a life coach. He's groovy like a beach party movie. No. Jesus is... A life, the life-changing Lord of everybody who will bow their knee to him. Amen? That's that's something I want you to know. If you're you're looking for a, a remedy, sort of like a medicine to get you over this bad patch, no, you need a you need something better. You need a you need a transformed life. So if your question is to the question of switchfoot, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? And if, if it's not who you want to be today or not completely who you want it to be, then follow Jesus. And following him is the best coaching advice you will ever hear. Now, uh, following him is really obviously about the rest of my talk. And it's, it's kind of simple and direct. In a single statement, here it is. Spend some time 
with him. So I'm going to call out a, a practice today. There are people that try to make it from Sunday to Sunday. Get a sermon, get a sermon and a song, great music, and then go my way. And, and hope I don't have a four-tire blowout along the way between now and next Sunday, right? So we put things in the way. We have a Bible study for men. We have Bible studies for women. We have uh, uh, prayer groups. We have life groups. Every single one of those are valuable. And they all have sort of the DNA of this. Following Jesus is a, is a foot by foot, a step by step, not a Sunday by Sunday deal. We're, we're, we're trying to make too big a bridge over the troubled waters that you're going to face even in this first week of the year, to say, get a good drink of Jesus on Sunday and come back for more the next Sunday. Because here's the real truth about that. Most people don't come back for two Sundays in a row. Just saying. They don't. Um, it's less than two Sundays a month now. It's about 1.5, 1.7 Sundays. It's just the stats. I'm not calling you out. Because a lot of you here are here more than I'm here. <laughs> it's wonderful. So we need something that's going to sustain us along the way. And spending more time with him will do that. If you want to grow closer in any relationship, uh, the way to pull that off is not rocket science. It isn't. It, it comes the same way in every relationship horizontally and vertically. It's time spent together. That's how it works. And uh, if there was pixie dust, we would have no budget problems. We could sell that stuff and it would, it would be amazing. Just a little sprinkle, a little spoonful, a little whatever, and you'll, you'll be walking with Jesus in no time. Um, so if you're not as close as you'd like to be, wisdom says very simply, change your approach. And that's what this morning will either encourage you to do or uh, in, it, um, uh, affirm you for doing. Okay? So, um, and here's why spending time together is important. Knowing Jesus, and can I say a word about why the decorations are still in place? They're, they're there for two reasons. One, we have a wedding, and the couple this next week said, would you possibly be okay delaying removing all of this? Because it's really, it is totally cool. I mean, it looks really great. Now we're going to have a run on weddings. But um, here's the other reason. I just thought to myself, you know, what a better focus about who we're supposed to spend time with than to... Still, Christmas is over, I get it. New Year's is too, almost. But so what? Let's have Jesus not only not be in the manger, but in the middle of me. It's kind of my vision, my personal thoughts anyway. So it, for that reason, we might have it there all year long. We'll just stay tuned. So, um, 
All right, to that end, starting today, I want to engage you in something. You're saying, man, is he going to get to the Bible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like right now. I'm holding in my hand a one-year chronological laminated copy of a day-by-day recipe for spending time with God in his word. This is 66 books. It breaks down to one full year of chronological Bible reading. My Debbie announced yesterday this was so thrilling because she's been doing this this last year. And she said, I just finished the full Bible. And I just feel like, you know, I could climb Everest with you, honey, you know, kind of thing. I mean, it's a great feeling of not just the achievement. I stuck, stuck with it, but the riches gleaned, the, the closeness gained. And I, I'm uh, camping on that for all of us. You can get your copy. Some of you already have. In fact, so many of you did. We ran out and we made a second run of these. So they're in the back. And please pick one up and it will walk us through together. And we, We're going to have a blast um, in this reading time. So why do I say that that will change your life? Here's the biblical reasons. Two of them. The Bible, God's word, never changes. Never. Now listen to these words. You can read them yourself in Isaiah chapter 40. In fact, both places that will be are in Isaiah 40 and then 55. So Isaiah 40 verses 6 to 8 read this way. The Bible, God's word never changes. And here's why I can say that. Verse 6, a voice says, cry out. And Isaiah answered, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. Follow the analogy now. And all of their faithfulness is like flowers of the field. So people are like grass and are the quality of faithfulness is like Flowers in the field. You got those two images clear. The grass people withers and the flowers fall. They fade. Ready? You're ready for it now. But the breath of the Lord, when the breath of the Lord blows on them, surely he comes back to the analogy, people are like grass. And then verse 8 finishes this way. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. It lasts or endures or stays the same forever. That's huge in a world that's constantly changing. I don't know if you've tried to make a list. I did some deep research this last week and found such pathetic Lists of things that never change. And almost all of them were negative. They were like, well, crime. Wow, I really, I'm so excited that crime's going to be here this next year. You know, it's, 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 it's that kind of dark stuff. How many things can you think of that never are changing? My list is short, too, that I want to talk about. But... But I, I was thinking planets. There we go. 
Let's go big. Well, unfortunately, that's not even true. Ask Pluto. Right? Pluto was minding his own business, having a good time as a planet forever. And then 16, something like that, 18 years ago, um, after 75 years in the column of planet, he gets a pink slip. He's told you're finished. It's over. You're no longer a planet, Pluto. Get used to something less. He, they, they come with a nicer name like mini planet or pretend planet or wannabe or whatever. But Pluto. So planets change. How about people? Let's get more personal. Um, the truth is, you used to have hair. I mean, some, you know, let's just be honest. You used to have hair and um, no wrinkles. <laughs> um, well, no, I'm making real big friends now. And you used to have boundless energy, right? Remember all those good old days? And, and, and here's the deal. You can have them all in a dietary supplement today, okay? That's about only place you're going to get them. So I'm just, what I'm trying to have a little fun with is planets and people change. But God's word doesn't. There's, there's something stable about that. Psalm 46 is a great passage. He talks about Mount St. Helens in Psalm 46. Did you know that? Talks about houses falling into the sea. He talks about horrific, like, like climate impactful things that we just take, take our breath away. And then he says, but God stays the same every day. Be still, therefore, and know that I'm God. We have that kind of person that invites us into a relationship, not just with him, but with what he said. Let me give you a couple of reasons I can say that. His promises. He makes and he keeps them. He is a promise keeper. Listen to these words. You can write them down. Psalm 89, verse 34. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered, says the Lord. You never get him on trial and say, you know, God, back here you said you'd do this. But why did you change your mind? It says in Psalm 89, I will not violate my covenant. I will not alter what my lips have uttered. His promises are permanent. I'm tempted to have you shout out your favorite promise. I'll, I'll bet some of my list are yours. I will meet your needs, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not, no asterisk next to that. Here's another one. I will never leave you. How many of us feel lonely? How many of us feel abandoned at times? I will never leave you is... I will never leave you. That's God's handshake. Okay? That's what God said. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will provide strength for you when you are weak. 
Paul talked about that first person. He got the stuffing beat out of him, a thorn that would never go away. And he cried out to God, please remove this, this from me. And he said, God's answer was, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for I will show my power in your weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. That's a promise that's not going to go away. Here's one more. When you, um, he will cleanse you when you get dirty. That's my nice way of saying you're going to stub your toe. You're going to fail badly. You're going to sin horribly. And it's when you're starting to kick yourself to the curb, he says to you, no, no, no. I plan to clean you completely. If you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to clean you slightly, cleanse you completely of all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And here's one we can all hold on to. You know, I know our, our world's getting wonderfully better. Everybody wants us to believe. But here's the deal. Uh, he's coming back someday. Amen. He's coming back. And I honestly, I, I don't predict it out loud, but I, I have a hunch it's sooner than we expect. The fact is that the Bible, God's word, never changes, and that gives confidence to what I'm suggesting we do this year. This is not a, a study in futility. If it is, don't, don't pick up one of these. This is going to transform you, not impress you, impact you. That's what we're after here. And uh, so here's a second Here's a second thought. You got to write this down because you're going to go, did that just contradict what he said? Because you just said that God's word is never changing. Here's the second takeaway. The Bible, God's word never stops changing us. God's word never changes Principle number one, God's word never stops changing. You're about to go, hold on, you know, those don't work together. Us. Also from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. This too was written a long time ago, some 27 centuries ago. Okay? As the rain and the snow come down from heaven. Can I just get an amen? We know something about snow and rain in Oregon, right? Especially rain. We know rain in all forms. There was a new visitor that came to Oregon and asked some uh, about a school-age kid, second grader or something, third grader, um, you know, because it had rained and then rained some more and then there's drizzle and then there's light rain and then all these different kinds of rain. And this new newcomer says, hey, kid, question for you. I'm kind of new here. Does, does it ever stop raining in Oregon? And this eight-year-old looked at this person and said, how should I know? I'm only eight, <laughs> right? So we get rain, right? We know rain. So the Bible actually uses that metaphor as rain and snow come down from heaven for a purpose. They do not return to heaven without watering the earth. Sometimes soaking it. 
and making the earth bud and flourish so that the earth yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. That's the, that's the point we look for. So is my word. He's talking about rain and snow. So is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. But it will accomplish, like rain accomplishes, it will accomplish in you what I desire for it to accomplish. And it will achieve a purpose in you and me for which I sent it. This, this Bible, the pages are packed with purpose. I read today's Genesis 1 to 3. I'm rocking it, man. I, I'm so, so on this. I'm just so ready for taking it in all over again. I even saw some things there that um, I haven't seen in a long time, almost like, like learning it again or something like that. Um. So God's word changes us. And there are times when it does so consciously, and then there's times when you don't even know it's happening. But people report to you, hey, you're different. What's going on? Here's a verse to answer that. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Paul says, I thank God that, that when you received the word of his message, the Bible, the truth, Listen, you did not receive it as coming from man, Paul was saying, me, the apostle. I would say, me, Pastor Steve. You did not receive the word as though it were sourced in man, but for what it really is, the word of God. Ready for this? Which also performs its work. Great proposition, preposition here. In you who believe. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. You ought to memorize that one. You read the, the word. You can read in Genesis. You can read in, like, Lamentations. You can read all through the Bible. And you will find truth. Your soul will feed on truth that's doing a number in you. It's like, um, you know... Car takes this new uh, what's the kind of oil? Not the old stuff that comes from the earth. Imit no, synthetic. I think it's a scam. It's like nine bucks a quart. It's ridiculous. But they say it's really good for you. No, for your car. My car still drives. Oh, dude! If you opened up the engine, your car engine would go. Thanks, bro. This is great oil. Keep the synthetic flowing, bro. Right? Either that or we're all being scammed. Okay, so you get, you get what I'm saying. So God's word brings lots of benefits. All scripture, we're told, by the Apostle Paul, is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's a ton of stuff. Would you look that up later today? It's in your notes, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So that the man or woman of God may be adequate and equipped 
for all good deeds. That's the word of God. It comes about from what God has to say is something we need to hear. Um, I want to leave you with a sort of a jolt of reality. We are living in trying times. If you and I took the time, um, I'm drawn, uh, you probably, some of you have asked this, so I'll assume more of you are curious about this. Steve, why, where, where do you land? What are certain scriptures that draw your attention? And the connection point is always personal for me. I, it's just mine. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. Well, I was a kid once. So 1 Timothy 4.12 became personal to me. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, Paul said to Timothy, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself, Steve, an example of those who believe. So I, I'm hooked. As an adult today who has his eyes wide open and I see the world we live in and the part of that world in which we live, and I see things that worry me. So I'm drawn to God's word through certain people at extreme times in their life, because this is an extreme time, I think, in our lives, right? So follow my logic. I found my way to 2 Timothy. Why? Simple. It was the last letter he wrote. Paul wrote it, and his recipient is in the name, Timothy. Paul's about to leave and go home. He's handing off the baton, if you will, to an understudy named Tim, Bethy, Timothy, right? And he's saying some things to him. I'm drawn to that. It's almost like famous last words. You know, I told you I was sick, that kind of humorous ones. But anyway, these are his. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Realize this, Timothy, that in the last days, terrible times will come. Then he includes a list of 18 terrible things. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God have nothing to do with such people, Timothy. If I had not told you those words came from 2 Timothy, his last letter, Paul's letter to Timothy, before he went home to heaven, you would swear they were straight out of the headlines today. But they are. Um, 
Warren Wiersbe is a name familiar with many who have studied the Bible a long time. He went to be with Jesus. He turned for home three and a half years ago. Um, he was a great pastor and teacher. One of the m- many memorable things he said uh, was when he was talking about spending time with God, the theme of our message, how to be the best you. And um, he, he agreed that it would make you your best self. This is how he said it. The times are not going to get better. But we Christians can become better people, even in bad times. We must devote ourselves to that which is true and continue to meet with God daily in his word. That's, that's, that's his secret. It's out. The way God That way, God can equip us for ministry in these difficult days. And his quote finishes, and we will have the joy of seeing others saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen? um, I'll say it again at the end here. Daily time spent with God. That's the very best approach to being the best you for me to be the best me. So can I ask you as a question, are you, gonna, are you willing to join me on this journey this year? Some of you are going to just continue like my Debbie. That's, that's great. Some of us are going to just jump on the wagon and do it and go for it. Um, as we switch feet and become what he wants us to be. In a moment, we're going to share communion. Um, with the one that we seek deeper communion with, Jesus. So I want you to listen to this poem. And uh, maybe the worship team can gather around me and servers can come to the front. I don't think it's too distracting, but maybe close your eyes if it helps you for a moment. The lights will come down a little bit. Um, It's a poem that really moved me when I came across it, and I think it will will have a similar effect on you. I supposed I knew my Bible, reading piecemeal, hit or miss. Now a bit of John or Matthew. Next, a snatch of Genesis. Certain chapters of Isaiah, certain Psalms, the 23rd. 12th of Romans, 1st of Proverbs. Yes, I thought I knew the word. But I found a thorough reading was a different thing to do. And the way was unfamiliar when I read the Bible through. Ye who treat the sacred book as you treat no other book, just a paragraph disjoined, just a crude, impatient look. Try a worthier procedure. Try a broad and steady view. You will kneel in very rapture when you read the Bible through. 
Lord, we want to be the best we can be. We know that the starting point is not very good because we are people that most of us don't fight or resist the assessment that we as humans have a problem on our hands. But that's why we come to you, Lord. We know that you're the problem solver. And the way you did that was not to give us instruction. It's to give us mostly an example. You went to a cross, were charmed by the baby, born in a cave in Bethlehem. But less than three decades later, he was placed on a cross of his own will to step in the way for us. So that's why communion is important. It's a chance anytime we share in it. It's a more meaningful, perhaps, and a more personal moment at the start of a new year to say, Lord, I want to come back to the starting point where you met me and what I was was not what I could be on my own. And so I, I turned to you and you, you did it. You made my feet switch, but you made so much more of me new. If you've not met Jesus, would I, I just plead with you, make this new year the beginning of the biggest change in you. Surrender to Jesus now. Bow your knee to him. Confess, I need a Savior, and you are that Savior. The bread and the cup are symbols of you, what you did for me. If you know Jesus, then take communion this morning and hold him in your hand, the cup and the bread, until we've all been served and sing this song. And then we will take it together as the body of Christ as we embark on a new year together. Let's share in it now. Savior, I come, quiet my soul.
Apostle Paul said very clearly, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, I've switched feet. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me on a cross. On that night, Jesus was with his disciples before going to the cross the next day. He took bread after dinner, and he meant for some rich, very personal connections. He said, this is bread, this represents me, my body. It's been broken for you. Take it. Remember me. Surrender to me in doing so. Let's share it together.
short time later, he took the cup and he held it up and said some things that should never be forgotten. This represents more than a list of rules, requirements. This is my blood that covers you and suits you, makes you fit for a new way, fit for me and my presence one day. It's poured out for you to cover your sin, clean you completely, and make you suitable for me to enter in. As we take this, let's remember what he did for us. Lord, you're a specialist in changing lives because every single person in this gathering today knows that there's debris. There's a debris field in every one of our lives where we met you or we're meeting you or we're about to meet you and there's stuff that's got to go away. But you turn ashes into new life. You turn brokenness into wholeness. You will make good on your promise to meet with us as we make good on our promise to be there with you. So lead us forward as we sing this final song this morning. Make it a real song that ignites our souls and focuses our attention on walking with you, meeting with you every day in this coming year. Thank you for all that that will do in our lives for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a final song.